Welcome to the Souls of Society community. We're building the new world here. It's based on connection, compassion, and collaboration. Join us as we explore how to create a new earth. Enjoy the Heart Center conversation. I'm Dijon. Welcome to the tribe. Bless. Okay, here we are. Next Souls podcast. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Captain Pat of the Friendship. Yo, yo, yo. Aloha, lovers and friends. We out here making friendship <laughs> virtually, intergalactically. Uh, I met Captain Pat, I think maybe at, was it Unleash for the first time? Or did you come to one of the Universe Chose Us events? I think Unleash was first. Okay. Um, and Captain Pat just has a really bright spirit and, and bright smile. And he often was doing like tribal markers, which is a, a brand that originated in, in Venice. And they have these really cool markers that they do this like ritualistic, like drawing on each other to kind of like ground in the energy before an event. And he always has some really artistic things to add to people's bodies, but then he's also just a super present dude. And um, he was telling me about his, I guess, like ethos or like company that he started, like the friendship. And um, it's super interesting and very inspiring, but I'll let him explain it. Yeah, it's interesting for you to refer to it as an ethos. Is that so, so word that I'm still like playing with? And I actually have a friend named Ethos. So it's like interesting to see that word usage. But yeah, so the friendship, uh, the friendship was just a, a philosophy that I have for life. And it started on the beach volleyball courts of Playa del Rey in Los Angeles. And from there, then it got transferred over to me being a classroom teacher and just like focusing on friendship. Yo, friendship, be, be nice. Like that's not friendship. And I was also teaching in Catholic education at the time. And so I was trying to figure out how to teach this Catholic stuff when I was at the highest point of my questioning of faith and God and all of that. And then I found friendship and I was like, dude, Jesus is trying to teach people to be friends. Gandhi's trying to teach people how to be friends. All these, all these religious books have all been written so that way they can, that's, it's their journey of friendship and their journey of individual friendship of self-love and the collective community. So that's something that I've, I've seen across pretty much every world religion is like there's self, there's work to do on yourself and then there's ways to share that. So when I, when I finally saw that Jesus was like, I'm like, dang, all right, Jesus, I can teach this. I can teach this religion stuff. We just bring it all back to friendship. And uh, from there, teaching for eight years, and then just a year ago, coming up on our one-year birthday of Friendship First Foundation, being an official nonprofit uh, recognized by the government and the powers that be on the paperwork and in the system, we found that we found our way in. So yeah, that's where Friendship has evolved now, and um, our mission takes us into schools, jails, prisons, community centers churches, the streets, um, homeless communities. Um, actually have a partnership with uh, Kenya that I just created with some of my friends over there. 
um, and really just the vision for what what the Friendship First Foundation is the world's number one wellness organization. The multiverse. The multiverse is number <laughs> one wellness organization. And that's for mind, body, spirit. From uh, nutrition, for mind, body, spirit, to environmental awareness and activism, and visual and performing arts. So that's that's the short version, if you will. Cool, man. That's super inspiring. And I can feel now, as I always do, the passion that you have for it when you share about it. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to be uh to feel it come up again, that that excitement of like going all the way back to the beginning when this first popped into my mind to zoom where we are now and it's like whoa i'm so glad i came up with this whole friendship thing and being my own best friend because that's like that's what we got right now not really but in a sense you know <laughs> we're with ourselves more than we have we've more than we've it's the option the only option right now is to be with yourself right and what does it mean to be your own best friend to you <laughs> So to be my own best friend means number one is practicing self-love and whether that's through breath, through meditation, through movement. Uh, lately, what a lot of it's been is just like having this internal dialogue that's a kind, a kindness-based dialogue. So being able to really witness like, oh, dang, I'm not thinking a very nice thought. Like, all right, where's that coming from? And then being able to really like, okay, and then now what's the next thought? That's a game that I've been playing a lot lately is, well, who's that? And that like getting sweeping out of the way, call my gremlin voices. So like the gremlin comes in and then it's just being able to witness it and not have to listen to it, but just witness it and be like, all right, what's next? And that to me has been the, um, one of the most powerful and like simple ways for me to snap back into being my own best friend. And another term for that would be like, connecting with my higher self, connecting with my inner child, um, connecting with source. It's just, that's my, that's my verbiage. That's my wording to allow me to, to flip the perspective and be back in a place of ultimately a place of love, a mindset, physical body set of love. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I, I really appreciate that you kind of synthesize the teachings of, the great leaders that we've had in humanity and recognize the similarities in what they were doing, even though they had different means or different particular ways of doing it. And you created your own way because I feel like that's the whole point of being alive, right? Like we're all unique individuals. So God wants to express itself through us in a unique way, you know, and, you have your friendship, ship spelled S-H-Y-P. And I don't even know why that is, but even when I see that, I'm just like, okay, so this guy is on his own wavelength, you know, which to me makes it, <laughs> it makes it interesting, right? Because it's just like, we're all here ultimately to do the same thing, but we're also like creative beings and our art is like how we show up to do that, which is love, right? Yes. Uh, I love how you said that the art is how we, the art is how we show up. 
And I never really viewed myself as an artist until I got tribal markers in my hand. And I would go into these elementary and middle schools and these kids would be like, whoa, you're such an artist. And I'm sitting here like knowing fish and knowing Amir and these other amazing, you know, look at them like, wow, look what they painted, look what they painted. And then now these kids are giving me the same perspective that I used to give them. And, uh, and so once I started to identify that artist, I'm like, whoa, I've been doing art even when I was in the classroom teaching. I didn't like to teach art per se because I didn't know how to do art. But really like artistically thinking, artistically relating, artistically solving problems, artistically presenting information. I'm like, oh, whoa. And speaking of art, I came up with a, a poem also or an acrostic sort of as to what friendship actually means. So if I could share that right now. Yeah, of course. Cool. So F, <clears throat> F is for find self-love. Foster it and let it flourish. R, respect the truth. Respect your truth. Speak your truth. Live your truth. I, identify buttons, also known as triggers. Because when we take our triggers and we turn them into buttons, we can respond instead of react. E stands for embrace greatness, which is a reminder that all those buttons are getting pushed and those triggers are getting pulled because of your greatness, because you are a motherfucking legend. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're a legend and you're living in your greatness, just like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, every time you step on the court, everyone's job is to stress you out. So when you come up against stressful points and traumas and dramas, it's a reminder that to to expand into them because it's helping us grow and level up so that's the e is embrace greatness uh and then the n is once you embrace that greatness we got to remember to never give up sometimes it's difficult sometimes it's tough sometimes a relationship is in the rock sometimes it's real smooth but no matter what it's the mentality the attitude of never giving up that project is difficult okay take a break don't do something else but come back to it that relationship's real rough it's real rocky right now. Take a break. Sometimes that break may be a long distance. And sometimes that may break may be a long distance for a real long time. Where you can continually send love to that person, that relationship, to, to that project and come back to it. And then that slides us into the D. The D stands for deploy and celebrate dabs. And now a lot of people think dabs, like, nope, it's not that dabs. And it's not the other one. This is the friendship dabs. I like to imagine that on the friendship, we are, we're soldiers and we're soldiers for peace and kindness and love. And so the dabs that we do is how we take action. And so dab stands for daily act of befriending somebody. It could be my body, could be your body, could be a body of water, it could be a body of trees. It could be, you know, a student, student body at a school, um, and so the idea of just, it just takes a dab. Now that I've done my dabs, I could be my own best friend. I practiced my dabs for F-R-I-E-N-D. And that leads me to S-H-Y-P because you know we spell a little bit different. And the S-H-Y-P means serving and helping your purpose. So it's this perfect Ayurvedic equation of self-love and selfless service, doing dabs for me and doing dabs for we which I like to put me and we together is muy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's friendship. 
and that's what it means to me and that's what uh that's what i'm bringing here to this planet on this mission this time around that's righteous man thank you for sharing that um yeah i appreciate the is it a is it anagram is that what that's called it's like an acrostic i think Something. anagram is the same forwards and backwards okay okay um i got some of those too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it feels you're mission feels deeply rooted into yourself and i also feel it being embodied in you and your experience and i appreciate that and i'm curious what was the spark of you creating this was there certain events in your life that led you to want to create an organization like this um i'd say is i mean there's been so many pieces along the way that's like oh this is why i'm doing this oh like this is how i got here but I guess I would say there's two major things from like back in the beginning. <clears throat> Number one, I was always friends with everybody growing up. And then I would be friends with people that didn't like my other friends. And I'm like, dude, like, just be nice. Like, it's not that bad. Like, you just got to be patient with people. Like, not everyone's going to be your best friend, but you can still be friends with people. And so I just, I didn't really understand like why I was one of the few people that bounced around from like all the different sporting groups to the, the different computer nerds, to all the different whatevers, golfers. And I was just like, I didn't really get it. And so my whole life, I've kind of had this friendship mentality about me. Um, and even all with, with older people, people outside of my own generation even. So that was interesting. And then I started teaching. And oh my gosh, everything just bust wide open. Once I started teaching, I was, I was teaching fourth and fifth grade at an um, under-resourced school in Los Angeles and Gardena, actually. And I just saw so many issues at recess. And I'm like, dang, why are y'all being so mean? Like, you can't even play basketball together without somebody getting hurt because you're so competitive. And then it took me, and then the, the real ticker was when i was playing volleyball with my friends i told you a friendship started on the courts of, of uh, beach courts of la and i went all the way across the court from the back right all the way to front left because i had to get this ball my roommate was going to get it she's an athlete but i went all the way across because i had to get it because if we didn't get it we were going to lose the point if we lost the point then this is uh, whatever who knows what's going to happen nothing really but i have so much in me I went all the way across the court i landed on top of her foot and I busted her foot. I don't know if she like sprained it or something, but she was out of commission for like three weeks. And she's a track runner and she's a, a cross country coach. And so I took her out of commission because of my competitive throttle. Because I put winning, I put me being right in front of friendship, in front of this fun recreational activity. And so I was able to see my own competitive throttle not being able to be controlled. And then I saw it in my students and I was like, whoa, that's, I gotta, I gotta teach them how to play with, for friendship. We should be, no one should be coming out of football. Uh, no one should be coming out of recess playing football and giving, coming out with a concussion, broken legs, broken arms, because kids are so competitive. And I was like, all right, I'm going to fix recess. Boom, let's do it. And then I realized the more that I was teaching that it was actually, isn't just recess, it's what is everybody bringing to recess? And it's not what's everybody bringing to recess. What is everybody actually bringing into the school building itself? So then now it's like, oh, well, I can't help them at home. I was like, oh, actually I can. I can teach mindfulness practice. I can give them resources that they can carry with them no matter what, whether they have their iPad 
whether they have a binder because it's all right here and it's all in their hearts. So once they can actually feel and experience this sense of friendship and people getting along and speaking their truth, respecting the rules, playing safe emotionally, physically, spiritually, then it's going to be a lot easier for people to handle things going on at recess because they're coming in with this toolbox already. Yeah, that makes sense. I hear you. And yeah, that's interesting because I understand what you're saying. And it seems like it's about recognizing that you're ultimately on the same team so that it's like honoring that aspect of it. And then at the same time, you mentioned, you know, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, who are all fiercely competitive individuals. And I believe human beings in general, like competition can be a good thing to help us achieve certain levels of greatness, right? Because if you're taking it at that level of seriousness, then you can push each other to be, you know, a certain level of greatness, right? So it seems like in the context that you're talking about, I can understand why you're pushing the weenus, but there's also something to human development when they are in competition, just maybe not when they lose sight of the fact that the competition is ultimately for the betterment of all. So I'm wondering, do you have outlets where you feel like you are able to express that more like raw, maybe like warrior type aspect of yourself? Um, yes. And now that I'm in isolation, no. <laughs> uh, before, I mean, I guess it's still, it's still like a competitive aspect, but it was through working out. I was doing CrossFit for a while. And that's definitely when I first started doing it, there was not such healthy competition. Cause I was like, I got to do more weight. Oh, she's going faster than me. I got to catch up to her. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't have to go. I don't have to beat anybody. So using it now is more of like a personal competition. And, uh, and I think all, all I can think about right now is when you were talking about you brought up Kobe Bryant and, and Michael Jordan again, I just saw this video just today, I think. And it shows the perfect level of, of like intense NBA level competition. You've got Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's guarding Kobe Bryant. And he does this move and whatever they call a charge on Kobe Bryant. And he's like super upset. And Michael Jordan's like standing underneath his legs and you can see it's so intense. And he looks down at Michael and then he just starts pretending to like throw punches at him and they like start playing and silly. And that is at a, that's the point where they know like, okay, this is my job. And then it's like at the same time, like, we're two of the best in the league and we can still have this playful, silly aspect. And I think that's something that, that children really need to see more of because the thing that I got that I had, that I took issue with was these, these children are being trained to go to soccer practice, football practice, basketball for hours upon hours a day. They're spending more time on that than they are like, you know, with their families almost at times because there's school and then very little time for them to be with their families. So it's like, and then they're watching all these sports and all they want to do is be like that. And now recess is their one time in the day that, and this also goes back to competition. Like there's a classroom competition and there's a classroom game and not everybody wins at that classroom game in every subject. And so oftentimes the issues that we would see at recess are coming up because not because, but hand in hand with those same students that are losing the game in the classroom. Mm. Not necessarily academically, it could be behaviorally, it could be 
just on the friendship side of socially things. So just seeing how recess would reflect other parts of, of, of the, of the student's reality. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. It's interesting to try to think about ways to make all kids feel honored and seen, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's in the education world. We call that differentiation, hmm. which kind of makes sense. It's just the word. And so it's just like, and just on a learning basis is if Dijon is real good at math and Captain Pat's real good at reading, which it would have been not that way at all prior, <laughs> um, then I'm going to give you different resources to help you strengthen your math skills. And I'm going to get different resources to strengthen my reading skills because that's where my strengths are. But if my weakness is in math, then you better believe the teacher is going to be. And that's where the term equity comes in. So there's like this competition and then equality and equity are these three words that kind of can get jungled around and kind of can counteract each other at times. But really it's about creating an environment for each individual to, to thrive and to be able to accept the challenges that are coming their way. So that way they are, they feel like they can achieve them. And that's the, you know, another term is like the zone of proximal development. Just like how far is this carried out in front of me to keep me keep going? It's this incentive. Oh yeah, the guy that let me keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Hmm. And um, being able to create that type of environment is where there can be healthy levels of competition. There can be um, the emotional awareness. There can be the uh, mindfulness all woven into that into that fold of education. Yeah, that makes sense. And curious, going back to what you were saying about, you know, being friends with everyone. Um, I'm curious of where you grew up and what your ethnicity is. You look like you may be mixed. And I think that kids that are mixed maybe sometimes have confusing like upbringings because there's like lots of cultural influences and maybe they're not like one group or the other. But then ultimately, they end up being kind of what you are, which is a bridge builder, you know, because you see both sides of something. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe both sides are all three sides. Um, and then really opening me up to the, like, because there was, there, was, there was one side. I went to, I grew up in um, private Catholic elementary school, K through K through 12, actually, two different schools. And there wasn't a whole lot of chocolate. There wasn't a whole lot of melanin in general. And so then I would go to play, you know, at, at the Boys and Girls Club where there was a lot more melanin. And turns out, like, they were saying, like, similar things to me, but in different ways. So, like, I, I'd go to school and hang out with all the white kids and they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're different. You're like that group of people. Like, da, da, da. And then I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then I go hang out with that group of people and they're like, nah, 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 you water down Kool-Aid. That was a term that someone actually said to me when I was playing basketball. I'm shooting free throws. And he's like, oh man, he's weak sauce. He ain't going to make this. He's just some watered down Kool-Aid. And at the time, I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, mom, he called me watered down Kool-Aid. What does that mean? I'm very informed now what that means. <laughs> um, and so definitely like grew up thinking like, oh, well, you, I'm not, I'm not one of you, definitely. 
But then they, you say I'm one of them, but then they, they treat me worse than you guys treat me. And then my own family was, um, the only time we'd see them really was funerals and reunions. And it would, like people started getting drunk and be like, oh, it's time to get out of here. Everyone started getting drunk. It's going to be a fight. So I'm like, okay, so we go hang out with my black family. They're, you know, the only time we gather is people are getting drunk and they're just waiting for the next fight. And then I hang out with the black kids at the Boys and Girls Club and different things like that. And they're treating me like I'm watered down Kool-Aid and nobody wants watered down Kool-Aid. Just give me regular water. Just give me this super sugary Kool-Aid. <laughs> and then I go to hang out with all the, the, the water, all the, all the, all the water friends, all the white water friends. And it's just, I didn't feel like I didn't belong, but I just didn't feel like I kept, I feel like a lot of my life has been, Ooh, I wonder if this group is going to accept me. And as I got older, it started to build more filters. When I was younger, I had less of a filter. And then now I'm older and I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're going to accept me. And I had a really big breakthrough last summer um, on like an ancestral healing level of, of life. From I created a poem that's called Nigga. And it means, it stands for the Negus, which is the N-E-G-U-S. Ethiopian royalty, which Ethiopia is a nation that was never colonized. So nigga means negus, intentionally gathering and growing for ascension. So once I created that poem, I was like, oh my gosh, nigga, we made it. I'm like, and I don't like to say the N word at all, but now that I have this and I have a new intention behind it, it's just like so healing. I shared that at Burning Man with the, at the, there was a gathering, I called it the chocolate photo and it was a gathering and I got up there and I said, I said, and I was inviting people to that as well. And I was, I'm like, man, this feels so good to, to recognize that I am a part of this group and Hey, I'm a part of this group and I see you are too. And I want to let you know, I want to give you this gift for our group mm. as opposed to before it would be like, Oh man, I hope, you know, I hope they let me stay with this all black party hope they don't kick me out i hope i hope i could make a friend and so my energy has been totally different in as far as um as far as accepting myself but all both sides and where i'm at right now and healing through the ancestral trauma through acceptance and celebration mm. it's been real big for my friendship journey acceptance and celebration of yourself or, or acceptance and celebration of what the acceptance and celebration of me and where I've come from, like where my mom has come from, where my dad has come from. Cause I felt this internal, you know, like, like master slave kind of complexes inside of myself from holding myself back and self deprecate, self, self deprecating, whatever defecating <laughs> both work. I think self defecating. Yeah. Shitting on yourself. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and that goes back to what I was saying before is like the best friend thing is creating this kind, positive internal dialogue. So when those negative things come up, it's like, oh, that's not, a, that's not what I believe. And I'm so able to see what I believe, what is true for me and what's not, and what's old paradigm and what's coming from external non-loving sources outside of myself. So it's, it's been really helpful. Yeah, man, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I feel like my experience has been mirrored in a lot of ways because I went to a you know, 95% white K through 12 school. Um, I started going there in fourth grade because I went to public school before that. But uh, I also was able to be friends with like both groups for whatever reason. Like 
in the lunchroom, there'd be, you know, 40 or 37 tables of basically white students and then like three tables of black students. And I was able to sit on either one, but, you know, I wasn't quite the same as the white kids. And then when I went to the black kids, I was an Oreo, you know? So <laughs> um, I know that journey. And I think that we are bridge builders and I can see how that shaped who I am now and how it made me a beautiful person. Cause like, for instance, I'm releasing an album soon and the, the influences on that album are so diverse because I was exposed to both cultures. Right. So it's like, I grew up listening to Tupac and Outkast and Tupac actually has an, an uh, acronym for nigga. Also his was, never ignorant getting goals accomplished right yes um, so i grew up listening to that so i like had that energy in my soul but then also i remember when i got turned on to dave matthews band and i was like oh this this is cool and then started exploring like pearl jam and u2 and no doubt and all these other things so i feel like being different actually gives us a, a very unique place within culture and it's like relearning how to trust that inner voice, you know, the voice of the heart. Cause we, you go away from it when you want to be accepted when you're like in high school or whatever. Cause I know like, for instance, you know, I grew up in the South and one thing, everyone used like a, a derogatory, derogatory term for people was like, everyone was a faggot and it didn't mm -hmm. have to be, you know, about being gay or, like a homosexual, it was just like, if something was lame, then that was gay or somebody was an asshole or whatever, you were a faggot. So even when it was going on and I was like in junior high school, I'd be like, that's not cool. Like that's not right. And they'd be like, you know, what do you care? Are you a faggot? And I'm like, no, this isn't, you, you can't talk about people like that. Like that's not right. Um, but I feel like, at some point you start to relax on pushing back against stuff like that because it just becomes so normalized. And then you start to get older and you realize that actually that voice was telling you the truth and you can learn how to trust it more. And instead of worrying about if you can fit in with these groups that are expressing some sort of pain or trauma through that sort of communication, you can stand behind what you know your truth to be and promote you know, friendship or promote nigger in the way that you mean it, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because for me, when I actually started listening to those, when I started remembering that like, Oh, my intuition is correct. Like I didn't, I shouldn't be talking like that. I don't want to talk like that. I don't believe in that. I don't want to be around that. And then I would meet one friend and it was, it was interesting because I had this, uh, another friend who was mixed and we met just through a dispensary and just like wanted to smoke weed and play basketball. And then the, the level of awareness that he had, he had these crystals and he handed me the book, The Secret. And I was like, dude, like, the heck? Like, I just wanted to smoke and play basketball. And you over here like trying to give me this literature and talking crystals and spirituality. Like, <laughs> I wasn't ready for it, especially from someone who, who, who seemed, from my judgment, had a similar you know, similar background as me being mixed and playing sports and, you know, th all this stuff. And so it's just, it's like, whoa. And it took one person for me to be like, yo, that's your intuition. 
and he just like started planting all these seeds in my mind and then I met another friend and then I met another friend and then I went to a festival and I was like whoa and then I started going to you know then I went to the universe chose us and I was like oh you know and just to be surrounded by so many reflections of people that that trust themselves and therefore they trust and listen to themselves and therefore it inspired me to go back and be like you know, I think I've been listening to my, every time I do this, it turns out like in my favor. I'm like, I need, I need to start doing this more. So having these external reflections for me and specifically having external reflections of melanated people who are doing it. Like I know, I know our friend Andrew Seeley, who was at the universe chose us and taught uh, yoga. Um, when I was painting one time, I saw him teaching yoga at Daybreakers the first time I was like, dude, we've got chocolate people up here leading yoga. Right. Like I want to do that. And so to see similar people, and he told me very specifically, he said, once I, I shared that reflection with him, he said, he said, you know, I didn't have to be up there doing it for you to be able to do it. Like you could have done that whether you knew me or not. I'm just like, whoa. So it sure helps though. That's true. That's true. And it's like everyone has a, has a role, right? Like everyone couldn't do what Jackie Robinson did, right? Like you can be as talented or more talented as an athlete, but you know, it's about more than that, right? Like there's certain people in certain situations that are initiators of things that kind of like open the door and then other people that maybe hold it down once the door is open, right? Or other people who once the door is open experiment and take it in new directions right like every piece of energy has a unique part to play in the whole and i think that the crucial thing and this goes back to the differentiation part that we're talking about with the kids is like none is more important than the other they're just different right so mm. being able to appreciate all aspects of the whole and be able to you know if you're talking about kids or even adults to explain are to to understand how the whole fits together and how each piece is important and i think that's part of what this process is with COVID. is like people are being forced to be with themselves and to try to figure out who they are not in relation to you know the matrix or like the mainstream but like who am i you know like how do i want to spend my time and like what are my strengths and what do i want to do when someone's not telling me what to do Right. And then hopefully come back and reintegrate into a society that is not built on, you know, stress or projection or, you know, just maybe other things that aren't as sustainable or nurturing. Yeah. Hallelujah to that. That's the truth right there. It's just a great gift. This is a great gift from our from our higher best friend <laughs> right. the, the internal the inner best friend the higher best friend it's all and it's there's two it's a twofold to it so we're we're with ourselves and that version of ourselves is in closer more regular proximity to the ones we love so that we're not i mean there's some people who are alone you know they they are living by themselves but then there's a great majority of people that are now they're alone with their family. And from my work that I've done in schools and just from being human, knowing that 
being with your family 24 7 is not easy (laughs) (laughs) it's real period it's real period point blank exclamation point on that and so and then that's even there's kind of a a funny side to that but then there's also a sad side to that because i've got a friend of mine who's a, a police officer up in the east bay east bay area he says that like domestic violence is going through the roof right now mm. and it's just people are people are stuck with people that they love but then also the people that we love happen to cause us so much pain at times so it's this it's this really great opportunity from my perspective it's a great opportunity for us to yes connect with ourselves and then also learn how to communicate more compassionately mm. how to go back to the r respect your truth how do you respect your truth now that everyone's truth is is in the same cocktail at the same time, the same mm-hmm. salad, mm-hmm. you know, how do you respect your truth without, you know, disrespecting somebody else's truth? Right. So, yeah. And a lot of people, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people have those tools because I've got a lot of tools and I don't think I even have enough tools. I'm still, I'm still pulling my tool toolkit together. <laughs> So I'm sharing, I'm sharing what I got. And then as I'm sharing, I'm pulling in more new strategies to, to thrive, not just survive during these times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a, a beautiful part of this experience is the way people are responding like on social media and just seemingly in public thinking in general is like, everyone recognizes that this is a very challenging time and everyone's like kind of being encouraging and sharing tools and um, being realer about their experience and just kind of cutting the bullshit a little bit because it's like, yo, (laughs) this is real. This is challenging. Like we can do this, you know, like it just is uniting us as a human species in a way that I think hasn't happened before. And of course, there are growing pains and not to downplay what you were saying about the domestic violence or, or any of the challenges that people are experiencing. But it feels like we are being initiated into a new way of interaction and living, you know, and now just in like the growing cycle of that. And I'm going to piggyback off of that, too, is like the feelings like it's like right now everyone has a permission slip to share your feelings and that's not always there that permission slip where you like yeah everyone's feeling these crazy things be alone together alone together we've been alone together that's nothing new but now we're just have a new shape and so it's i think it's i think the big collective movement is everyone right now is allowed to or more has more of an, an allowance to feel and share your feelings than ever before. Right. I think that's something that's really powerful. Got to feel it to heal it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yep. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned, you know, along my healing journey is you can't outrun your problems. You know, it's, it's cliche. But cliches are cliches because they're true, you know? Exactly. Wherever you go, there you are. So in order to begin your healing journey or continue your healing journey, you have to actually acknowledge 
you know, what you've been through or what you're feeling. And there's a difference between acknowledging something and like wallowing in it or perpetuating it, but um, to actually go slow enough to where you're feeling your experience. And hopefully we can start living at the speed where we can feel something and then compassionately communicate it, like communicate your truth so that it doesn't get carried on into other interactions. Just like, yo, I feel blank, you know, this just happened and I feel blank. And then you can kind of like move through it in the present moment and then go to the next moment fresh. Mm. Instead of leaking all that all over the place. Yeah. And it takes practice. You know, it takes tools like you were saying, and it also takes practice. Like it's a practice to be able to speak your truth in the moment respectfully and also take responsibility for your own experience, you know, and recognize that, yes, we are all one and we're also differentiated. But if we're all one, that means that people are just reflections of something about ourselves. Right. So what am I seeing in the reflection? What can I learn about myself? Not you're a motherfucker, you know, like that's not <laughs> that's not reflecting anything. You know, you can be like, I, I'm upset. You know, I feel upset because this happened. Or when this happened, I noticed I started feeling upset. And why is that? You know, and like that that inner questioning. Um, so, yeah, when this happened, I felt this not this this thing happened and this thing made me feel this way. Exactly. Cause that's giving your power Separating away. Separating it. Exactly. Yeah. Been doing a lot of that. I love about work lately. Yeah. And I think the, the subtlety of, of understanding, you know, it's not the difference between like victim shaming and taking responsibility for your life. Right. And all it is, is taking responsibility is if you claim the power to choose how you feel based on external stimuli, that means you can choose the tone of your life. You can choose to feel a certain way in response to whatever's going on around you, you know? And that's like the ultimate place of conscious creation of your life. Creation, creating, that's a big thing taking ownership for that co-creation power that we have. Yeah, man, I'd, I'd say I, I'm grateful for you to come on and share. And um, I don't know if there's anything else particular you wanted to um, communicate, but maybe you could share like one change you're wanting to ground into your life during this time of collective reset. Yes. Um, um, a change in my creation, as we were just from the right off of that, is just creating. Um, there's a lot that I have inside of my brain and inside of my heart that has helped me. And working to create a, um, I'm creating a friendship program basically, and. I'm getting more solidified in what that looks like and taking more actions to share that. So that's a big thing for me is, is just getting on the friendship um, coaching crew program and, uh, and sharing more of the medicine that I have in different ways from free things to paid courses to one-on-one coaching and 
and beyond and really beyond. just getting into the creation creation content creation phase right now right on brother well i think you're yeah, doing beautiful work in the world and you're going with the current of life right so like i feel like you're creating something that wants to be created so you have like the most powerful thing supporting you so godspeed thank you thank you for that reflection thanks for having me this is a pleasure and uh i'm, I'm also inspired to start my own podcast so that's a part of my creation um content creation that's since coming out of me yeah so. a, few, a few people have mentioned that to me so i think there was another friend of mine was talking about wanting to do a, a class to help people learn how to create their own podcast or provide them with support. You know, obviously there's resources online, but I know I personally prefer to one, be in a group and have accountability, but also like learn it from a person like in real time. So um, I yeah. will keep you posted about that. For sure. And the one thing if I could share with anybody as we're leaving is don't forget your dabs. A dabs a day is how we change the world. Daily act of befriending somebody. That's friendship. That's what's up. And where can people connect with you or learn more about the friendship? Yes, you can connect with me more through Instagram, Captain Pat 2222. Uh, my website is friendship.org, and that's friend, S H Y P dot O R G. And um, Facebook, Captain Pat or Patrick Walker. And uh, what else? The podcast is called Captain Pat's Podcast. Keep it simple. <laughs> oh, you already started it? I did. I posted one thing. It was just an interview that I, my friend did a podcast with me and I just recorded it and posted it. I'm like, no, but like, not letting perfection get in the way of sharing. So I'm All just right. like, just record yeah. it and put it up. There you just go. Do it. Just share. There you so, go. Otherwise, I'll spend all day trying to figure out the tools of editing and all the, you know, everything. So just do it. Yeah, you can learn that as you go. Yeah, and let people see the, the evolution of Captain Pat and friendship. There you go. Thank you, Captain Pat. It was a pleasure being on your friendship. <sighs> yeah, thanks, brother. It was great sailing with you. <laughs> so much love. Peace, fam. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed that episode. This is what we're all about at Souls of Society. If you feel inspired right now, share this with one of your friends. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And most importantly, embody your soul by living in your heart. It's our time. It's our time for harmony, togetherness, and peace. Much love.